Last Wednesday night, I was leaving uh, the auditorium. We had been here in prayer meeting and Bible study. The choir was already meeting in the choir room and actually had already started their rehearsal. And uh, I, I stood in the, in the hallway for just a minute uh, discussing with someone an issue or something that had come up and we needed to talk about and spend some time with. While I was uh, there, I was listening to the choir. And I thought on my way down and actually told my wife, uh, as we got ready to leave. Boy, they sounded good. And then they sound good this morning. Thank you, Brother Ryan. Thank you, choir. And I mean, Miss, uh, Mr. Denise, that was your easy part on that one, wasn't it? I mean, there are four little notes there, and they let you set it out, which is okay. Thank you. What a great job, choir. And they, uh, they did. And um, they'll be coming back in here drifting in in just a minute. You have your Bible. I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians as we look together in God's Word. Uh, the title of the sermon that I've picked this morning is entitled, A Gospel People. I, I do believe that it is necessary for us to remember who we are and whom we serve. It is time, uh, times in life and days and hours when we have to stop and remember, who am I? What do I represent? Who do I speak for? Do individuals understand how I feel and where I'm coming from in life? You know, it, uh, I was sitting in a waiting room, and actually I was waiting on uh, Miss Robin. Uh, J.D. was supposed to be having surgery. I don't know if he really had surgery or not. I left that day and he had never gone into surgery, but I was sitting out in the waiting room. She was back in the holding room uh, with him and uh, I was sitting there in the waiting room and, and, and a man came in and he sat down beside me and he was mad, okay? He was just mad. I mean, his wife had gone back for the same surgery uh, an hour and a half ahead of J.D. Well, I knew that they had not taken him back to surgery and and, uh, and he told me, this man, as he sat down, he didn't know me from anybody. He just sat down beside me, and he unloaded. Wow, did I look like I worked there or something? I mean, he just unloaded. No sense in this. We got here at 6.30 this morning. They took her back there at 7.30, and here it is. And I'm thinking, yes, it's 11 o'clock now. And uh, I know what time it is. You don't have to tell me. She is still laying back there. And I want to say, why don't you go back there and lay by her, you know? But anyway, he was just letting me have it. And then about, as he went on on his little rampage, he kind of looked at me and said, I don't know, you may be a preacher. And I said, I am. I am. I'm listening to you. Things are not going well for you in this life when you sit down by a total stranger to rant and rave about what's going on and how unfair and all your hardship and suffering uh, that you're going through and you maybe use some words you shouldn't use and, and you turn to the person next to you and say, are you a preacher? Yes. Who are we? Who do we represent? Life is a whole lot bigger than we are. Our world may be small, and where we live, we may stay confined. I have a brother that does his best never to cross the Amit County line. He lives there. He wants to stay there. He wants to die there. He's afraid if he leaves, somebody may get him. And I'll tell him, have you ever looked in the mirror? Nobody wants you. But he won't leave. His world is small. 
His wife decided a number of years ago that she wanted to travel, and so she did. She went to Hawaii. He stayed in the Mid-County. She went to Alaska. He stayed in the Mid-County. She went to Europe, and he stayed in the Mid-County. He plans not to leave there. We're going to bury him up in Franklin County, I think, when he dies, <laughs> just to get him out of the county. Who are we, and where does our world like? Let me tell you that as a Christian, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, this is the world that our God has called us to. Not right here in Vicksburg, but we're going to reach, and, and, and I pray and I promise you that in Mississippi this week, we're going to have individuals meeting together, and they're going to be planning to go to Texas and planning to help and planning to minister to families there. People who went through Katrina, people who have been flooded, people who have experienced the same kind of heartache and the same kind of loss, and know they made it through only by the grace of God. They were comforted and strengthened by the presence and the power of the Almighty God. They're going to travel to these areas. And they're going to minister. And that's part of our world. And we have individuals that we saw last week in, our, in the documentary Facing the dark, Darkness uh, by, by the Samaritan's Purse group. That our, that our ministry is worldwide. That our, that our influence and our, and, our, and our testimony and our witness for our Savior is to the world. It's not to be kept silent. It's not, as I heard a sports figure talking one time about his own personal faith, he said, well, that's a, that's a private matter and, and I don't share it. I want to tell you, if you Christian today and every Christian that's listening on, on River 101 and maybe not able to attend church, your Christian life is not a private matter and is not to be kept private. You're a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to tell the world what Jesus has done for us. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, because we are a gospel people, and to go tell the world in the Great Commission is for us. It is our responsibility to tell the world about Christ. It is, it, is, it, is, it is for us to do. Listen to what Paul says. He's writing to a church. And if you go back and read through the book of 1 Corinthians, you will find it is a church that is struggling. It is a church with issues. I know sometimes as we start looking for a church we, 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 and, and we move, I've never had that problem. When I move to a new community, it's because I have a new church, okay? When I moved to Vicksburg, I came for a reason. I was to be pastor of Woodlawn Baptist Church. But if you're out here and you move to a new area, new part of the country, you want to look, start looking for a church. And sometimes we think and we feel within our hearts that, hey, I want to find that perfect church. I want to find that church where everything runs smoothly, where there are no problems, where there are people worship the Lord and love the Lord and serve Him every day. Let me tell you, if that church is out there, they don't need you. They're already doing it. But that church is not out there because every church that I know anything about has those issues and those problems. The church at Corinth, you know, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, the one that, that Paul and the Holy Spirit writes to, it was not a perfect church. It struggled with issues. It had problems. And if you go back and read, and I'm not going to go over their sins because we don't talk about their sins. We don't talk about their responsibility. We want to talk about where they stand and who they are and who they belong to. They belong to Jesus. We used to sing that old, old song, Now I belong to Jesus. That's who we are, a gospel people. Now, brothers, in the first, chap first verse of chapter 15, the scripture reads, Now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You are also saved by it. 
If you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believed to no purpose, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to over 500 brothers at one time, most of whom remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to, to one born abnormally, he also appeared to me. May God bless his holy word. Remember who you are and where you stand. Paul has been dealing with his church on a, on a number of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of things they don't understand and they've, they've not grasped uh, their attitude and the spirit of how they should live and how they should walk from day to day. And he's dealt with that. The Holy Spirit has lead, led him to deal with those issues through the Scripture. And like I said, you could go back and read about those things. So today we could sit here and we could talk about what are our shortcomings, what are our failures, where have we fallen short in serving God? What is that that we don't understand? Where is, what is that that we don't grasp, that we don't have the full understanding and wisdom to? What do we need to add to our life? What we should be doing or what kind of knowledge and what kind of faith should we have? I was sharing with someone this week as we talked about the Right Now Media uh, and, and the ministry there that, that Dr. R.C. Sproles is, is in there. And he has this little bitty study on defending your faith. It's 35 sessions. 35 sessions. It's in a seminary setting. It's kind of like he's teaching preachers and, 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 and uh, a the, a theological students and, and he's teaching them. And, it's, and, and each one of them are in there from 25 to 30 minutes long. It's not your light little devotion that you may want to read before you go to work so you can go down the road singing glory, glory, hallelujah, you know. It's not that kind of study. It's one to make you think. It's to challenge you. It uses sometimes terms and phrases that you may not be familiar with, but don't worry, he explains them. And if you don't get it there, you can always buy one of his books, a lot of his books, as a matter of fact, and you can read about it. It's out there. We want to go into those things. We want to, we want to deal with it. Christians, who are you? This is what Paul says. Now, brothers, I want to clarify. I want to make this clear. I don't want to be any misunderstanding when we leave here this morning. I don't want anybody to go out the door and say, you know, I really don't know what the people at Woodlawn Baptist Church believe. I don't know, so I want to tell you. I want you to know. I don't want you to go out here into this community anywhere. I don't want people listening on the radio to say, you know, I've listened to the sermons there uh, and the radio station for the last 30 years that, come, that are broadcast out of the Woodlawn Baptist Church, and, and I, 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 don't, I don't know what they believe. I want that to stop today. I want there nobody to say that we listen to this service and they tell me now that you can even view this service. You know, we have a group, in, in, some folks who live in Honduras and uh, they listen on Sundays because I think we, they can understand our language and that's kind of strange. But anyway, <clears throat> they understand. And, and last week we got a little message. They could hear the service but couldn't see it. Only a couple of weeks ago did we start where they could see it. But, you know, some people complain. They can't see it. So there may be folks watching this morning, and, and I really don't know about that. Somebody told me I look good on there, and I'm thinking, wow, it must be a good camera. I need to get one of those, don't you? It makes us look better. 
My brothers, now brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. Where do you stand this morning as a Christian? Well, let me tell you where we stand as a church. Let me tell you what we proclaim as a church. Let me tell you what I preached as a church. I shared with Shane yesterday as we sat down and talked about this morning and, and doing this baptism service. I said to Shane, I said, Shane, had I been your pastor a number of years ago, when you came and shared your testimony, you would not have walked away without being baptized. I would have said to you, I would have urged you, I would have begged you, follow through now in believer's baptism because I believe it is biblical. I read it in the Bible. I find it there in the New Testament church. I even find the illustration of where a baptism is needed because believers have not been baptized into the body of Christ yet in the Scripture. What do we believe? Where do we stand? What do we teach and what do we to preach? First of all, let there be no mistake about the gospel. If we're going to be a gospel people, then we are a people who believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus, excuse me, let me stop there, is the Christ. When we say Jesus Christ so many times, we throw that together like that's his name. Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. Jesus Messiah. Jesus anointed one. Jesus the appointed one, Jesus the holy one, Jesus the savior, Jesus the redeemer. Christ is his title. Christ Jesus is just reversing it but saying the same thing. It is putting the title first. He is the Messiah. I believe that Jesus is the son of God, the only begotten son of God. Do not get me confused with those who believe that Jesus is one of the sons of God. No. I believe Jesus is the one and only Son of God. As the Bible says in John, the never before one like him, the never again one like him. You say, where does it say that? In the Greek, in John, when it says he gave his only begotten Son, that's what it says. The one and only, never before one like him, never again one like him. The only begotten Son of God. I want to tell you that everyone who says will stand up and say to you, I believe in Jesus, does not believe that fact. Do not be misled. There are those within the, within the city limits of Vicksburg, Mississippi, who proclaim that they believe in Jesus, but do not believe that he is the only begotten Son of God. There is no one else like Jesus. Never will there never be anyone else like Jesus. He is from eternity to eternity. He didn't get his existence in a, in, a, in a manger in Bethlehem. He was born physically in Bethlehem, but he existed before Bethlehem. He is the almighty son of God. I believe that. That's what I believe. That's what I'm going to preach. I'm not going to teach anything else. So first of all, the first thing is Jesus is God's son. And I believe that Jesus came into the world to live and walk among us as a human being, fulfilling the divine plan of his heavenly father. I believe that Jesus was not joking when he said, I came to do the will of my father. He sent me to seek and to save that which is lost. I do not think that is a light statement. I believe that is exactly why Jesus came, to fulfill the will of his heavenly Father. He lived among us. You say, well, I don't, so you see, I don't believe that it was the purpose of Jesus just to come and walk on the water. I believe he walked on the water. I don't believe it was his purpose just to come and feed the 5,000. And if it wasn't fried catfish, you know, I don't know. Yesterday, 
this weekend, sometime this week. I don't know. I'm trying to forget it. I had this unusual experience to taste baked something catfish. What a waste of catfish. I mean, it was so sad. I thought, people don't know any better than this. What are we going to do with them? Jesus didn't come just to feed the thousands. That's not why he came. He didn't just come to heal the blind so that they could have sight here on this earth. You know, all the eyes of those he healed there when he walked on the, on the earth, they all closed in death. All those physical, that physical eyesight he gave every one of those individuals, even Lazarus that he raised from the dead, you know he died again. He went back to the grave. His bones today are still in the grave. They're there. Jesus didn't come just to heal people physically. He didn't come just to provide physical necessities to people. That's not why he came. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And looking at those who were lost, knowing that in the centuries and, and to come, that there would be people like you and I, Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. He died for us. He shed his blood, I believe, in substitutional atonement. That is that Christ died for me. He shed his blood that I might be redeemed. And if you're here today and you believe that you are a Christian, that you have been saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, then you believe also he died for you. He died and it was necessary. There was no one else. There was no other sacrifice. There was nothing acceptable to God for the cleansing of our sins except the death of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood that my sins could be forgiven. Where do I stand? I believe he is the son of God. Y'all know what this is, don't you? you read, I read it to you just a minute ago. If you just look down a few verses, Paul says, this is what I delivered to you, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. It's just right, I'm just following the outline. It's, it's easy to preach a sermon when Paul writes it for you, okay? I didn't have to write this one. Paul put it together, the word of God, and said, here it is, preach this. That's the best sermon I can preach. It is the word of God. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, shed his blood so that my sins could be forgiven. I believe that. I believe that if you're going to be saved today, you're going to be redeemed, you're going to have eternal life, you're going to spend eternity in heaven, that you must do the same thing. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and accept the sacrifice that he made for you on the cross of Calvary. That's what I believe. You don't agree? That's you. That's you. You will, you will deal with and you will answer for your own faith. But I believe according to the scripture that he died for my sins. That's what the Bible says, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Can't be any plainer than that. And that he was buried. Yes, I believe he was placed in the tomb. I believe he was buried. I do not believe in the swoon theory. I do not believe he was unconscious. I do not believe that somehow he lay there in all that pain and agony and in three days he got up and walked out. I don't believe that. Okay, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood and died there, paying the price for our sins. I believe that. And he was buried, placed in a grave, just like we bury our friends and our family members, just like tomorrow I'm going to do for a dear family that I've known for a long time here. I'm going to bury their mother and their grandmother. Buried, placed in a tomb. And he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. 
I believe that Jesus came forth from the grave because he is the resurrection and the life. He's not going to be one day that resurrection. He is that resurrection and that life. And that if you want to have eternal life, you play your faith and trust in him, then you're going to hear the words of Jesus and know that they're true. Even though I die, yet shall I live because of Jesus. The guarantee of that eternal life comes in the power of the resurrection. Folks, you cannot leave the resurrection out. There are folks who want to do that today. They are, they are supposedly uh, Christian denominations that leave the resurrection out. They talk about the death of Christ. They talk about the forgiveness of sin, but they leave the resurrection out like it's not important. I'm going to tell you, we serve a risen Lord, a living Lord, not one who's in a grave somewhere. He came forth from the grave. The Bible says that he stands at the, he's there at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us even now that when I pray, I do not pray to some long time gone saint. I do not pray to someone as much if there was a saint that I would pray to, it would be my mother. I don't believe there's ever been a better Christian live on the face of the earth. I don't. My mother, my mother lived and, and lived her faith and proclaimed her faith and, and into her 80s, in the last days of her life, she spent that living for Jesus and bearing testimony. When she could barely walk and she walked in pain, she would get up early in the morning and it would take her hours and hours and hours to get, how long did it take you to get dressed this morning? Did you spend four hours trying to get your clothes on? It would take her that long in the excruciating pain so she could go and teach her Sunday school class. Then she would start praying after she got dressed. Mama couldn't hear and she thought the Lord couldn't either. She prayed loud. You could hear her all over the house. I've been there when my mother in great pain was praying for her presenting the word of God to her Sunday school class that she would be a faithful witness of what the word of God said. She would be praying loud. We were in the kitchen. She was in the bedroom praying. If there is a saint I was going to pray to, I would pray to her, but I'm not going to pray to mom either. I'm going to talk to Jesus. If I'm going to talk to someone about my problems, my issues, I'm going to talk to Jesus. He is there on my behalf, petitioning the Heavenly Father for me. Why would I go to somebody else? Go to Jesus. Talk to him. He said, church, I want you to know where you stand. I want you to know, I want you to know about the death of Christ. I want you to know about the burial of Christ. And I want you to know about the certainty of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that it changed my life. I am not who I would be had it not been for Jesus Christ. I sometimes sit down and think, what would my life be if I had continued to live in that place called Route 4, Liberty, Mississippi, and grow up there without Jesus? What would it have been like? It would have been horrible. It would have been terrible. My son wouldn't be who he is today. My wife probably would not have stayed with me for 40 years like she has had I not known Christ. Christ made the difference. Jesus changed my life. You say, preacher, that's kind of a simple sermon, but I'm going to change it a little bit. That's a simple sermon where we stand. Paul said, you are a gospel people because I have proclaimed to you the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel. That which changes lives, redeems soul, guarantees everlasting life, 
faith in Jesus and Jesus alone and no one but Jesus Christ. It is what we need, what I needed, what you need, what this world needs. And now it is to a gospel people to hear the hard part of this message. What you have received, Paul said, I have given to you that which I received. And now you have it. You've got to go and take to the world. Oh, I need to understand more theology. I need to get deeper into God's word. Let me tell you, as deep as you want to get is the first two verses we read to start this surface. If you get deeper than that, you really went too far. I don't believe you can get past them. A new commandment I give. Love one another just as I have loved you. And all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I heard this week as I was watching one of the Bible studies on the uh, new program that we have, the young man that was preaching there and leading this Bible study was talking about this very thing. We all are oh so concerned about what we don't know in the Bible or about God. And this young preacher, and I was so glad to hear this, he pastors out in Texas, and he said this, he said, he said, this one thing we need, you know, we're worried about what we don't know and what we may be missing. He said, but what about the things we know? We have given, been given a command from Jesus to love one another, to love our neighbors, to love our wives, to love our children, to love our parents, to love our neighbors, to love people that we've never met before in distant places, to love the people of this world as he loved us. We are to love. And he said, if you're a simple person and you can't understand all the big theological words that are used by some preachers, you can't read Greek and you don't know Hebrew, but you can love one another, you got it. You got it. You are walking as close as you will ever walk to Jesus if we will love one another. We are giving an example to the world of this great gospel faith that we have in Jesus Christ if we love one another. A gospel people without love is not a gospel people at all. You see, because God first loved us and gave his son as a sacrifice for us that if we would believe in him we would not perish but have everlasting life where do you stand this morning do you stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ do you love one another maybe this morning your life is not what it should be there are decisions you've never made or decisions you know you need to make. Not for your own good, but for the glory and honor of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, you need to make these decisions. God's Spirit has spoken to you in this service, in the singing, in the, in the special music, or maybe in the sermon, the preaching of the word. God's Spirit has spoken to you that today you need to make a statement for Christ to glorify Him. If it is true, 
as we offer this time of invitation, I invite you to come. I'm going to be standing here at the front as we sing a hymn of invitation together. And then we're going to step out for the baptism, and y'all are going to sing another song. But first, invite you to come. Come to Jesus. Let's stand together as Brother Ryan comes and leads us in a hymn of invitation. How great is